How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma City Thunder, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Everyone, we're locked in for episode 83 of Locked On Thunder, presented by the Norman Transcript. I'm your host, Fred Katz. Locked On Thunder is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Head on to iTunes and search Locked On Thunder to subscribe to the podcast there. And you can leave a review once you're on that page also. Find us on audioboom.com too. And you can log on to normantranscript.com. And you can check out my blog, Thunder Road, under the sports tab on the site. Get more Thunder coverage there. I'm on every day of the week, Monday through Friday, as I always am. Uh, first episode of the week. So, Got a little bit to wrap up. Thunder lost a close one to the Clippers on Friday, 110 to 108. Played it really close at home uh, against LA in, in what was a tough back-to-back stretch there. Not back-to-back nights, but back-to-back games with with uh, Toronto on Wednesday and and then uh, the Clippers on Friday. And the Clippers have the best record in the league right now, playing as well as anybody. Uh, I thought the Thunder played honestly played a really good game in that one. Uh, did not play a great game on Sunday night against the Magic. Fell 119 to 117. Uh, they were down 27 to 13 at the end of the first quarter. Uh, they fell all the way down 38 to 17 a few minutes into the second. They picked up their energy, but it was, it was, they were a little deflated. They were deflated to come out. Sometimes teams just lack that energy out of the gate. They're just, they don't, they don't have it. It's just kind of not, not their night. 82 game season is long. I know teams want to approach games the same, and for, for whatever reason, Teams, they just, they don't always have, they don't always have the energy on, on a given night. And it seemed like that was the case, at least out of the gate on Sunday. They kind of got it together as the game went on. Russell Westbrook, honestly, was not fantastic uh, in, in that first quarter. Uh, he looked a little lethargic. Um, I don't think his defense was, was fantastic all game. I'll talk about that uh, a little bit later, even though he, he had an overall tremendous game, um, arguably his best game of the season. They did not lose this game because of Russell Westbrook. They might have lost it because of Serge Ibaka. Serge Ibaka. Let's leave with Serge Ibaka. Let's talk about Serge Ibaka. So, 119 to 117. Points number 118 and 119 were courtesy of Serge Ibaka. A little eight-foot fade away from the right baseline, and Ibaka hit a, hit a game winner with .4 seconds left to give the Magic a win. And in his return to Oklahoma City, he got a really nice applause. I was expecting that one. I think everybody was. Really, really loud, extended, standing ovation for him when they announced his name in the starting lineups. 40% of the Magic starting lineup got cheered because Jeff Green got a little cheer. Gee, I feel bad for DJ Augustine. Got a little bit left out, but they did say welcome back to Oklahoma City, DJ Augustine, over the PA when when uh, they, he, he entered the game. So that was a little something for DJ Augustine. Abaka, 31 points. Career high. Career high, 31 points in that game. He had had 27. He did that three times before. Never had more than 27. He had 31 Four uh, nine rebounds, four blocks. Two of those blocks came in about a three-second span with him swatting Stephen Adams a couple of times on what was a like a vintage Ibaka sequence. Russell Westbrook, 41 points, 16 assists, 
12 rebounds, his third triple-double of the season, 40th triple-double of his career. He's only three behind LeBron among active leaders. Second most triple-doubles among active players. LeBron James is at 43. Of course, literally almost half of those triple-doubles for Westbrook came just last year. He had 18 triple-doubles last year. He's got 40 now in his career, three now on the season. But yeah, man, Ibaka was the difference. He had 13 in the first quarter. Ibaka had as many points in the first quarter as the Thunder did. The Thunder were down 27-13 at the end of the first, and Ibaka had 13 points. Serge Ibaka's had a down year, too. He he has not been great. I mean, this was by far his best game of the season. He looked spry. He looked energetic. His jumper was falling. I mean, look, Billy Donovan always says, and he's right. He rightfully says, things look a lot better when the shots are going in. But but he, he was playing with some more energy out there. It was It was pretty clear. I mean, he was really active defensively, I thought. The Magic did a good job. For the most part, I mean, Westbrook was was finishing around the rim, getting to the line, getting to the rim well. But the Magic, for the most part, did a good job of making the Thunder take some tough shots, uh, especially early in the game. That was when the Thunder were kind of in their lethargic stages. They scored over 100 points in the final three quarters. So over 30 points in each of the final three quarters. So it's not like they were, you know, it's not like they were struggling offensively in in, in this game. They put up 117 points, and their offensive efficiency – was was pretty good. Problem is, their defensive efficiency was pretty darn poor. I think it was over 120 for the game. That's not that's not what you want to see if you're the Thunder. I mean, this is a team that that needs to succeed defensively in order to compete, even against a team like the Magic at home. And and they they did not compete defensively tonight. I don't think. First quarter problems. Alfred Payton was playing really good defense on Russell Westbrook to start number one. He was doing a really good job navigating those screens. Those ball screens that the Thunder like to use to get Westbrook into the paint. He was doing a really good job. Shooters being left open. And the Thunder weren't really finding the right ones was the problem. Like, they they did they, they were closing out on Sabonis. That was something. They, they were definitely respecting Sabonis' three-point shot more than more than other teams have so far. That might have something to do with the fact that he's hit four threes in each of the last two games. That got broken on Sunday night. But they, they were, you know, leaving doing the usual, leaving Robertson open on the three-point line. And, you know, the Magic are fine with Robertson taking those shots. He's got to keep taking them. I'm not saying don't take them. He's got to keep taking them. But when, when it's given to you, you got you to play what the defense has given you. Uh, but, but there were a lot of contested shots early in that game. The Thunder were kind of finishing a little bit lazily. Uh, I thought Ennis Kanter gave him some nice offensive rhythm and energy off the bench, actually. And they kind of improved once Canner got them going a little bit. But the pick-and-roll stuff wasn't really working. A lot of that had to do with Peyton. Look, the Magic have some really good defenders. Like, they're capable of playing great defensive lineups, and they have a really good defensive coach. Vogel's just a really good coach in general. Uh, but And he's a great defensive coach. But they they have some really good they have some really good defensive personnel. I mean, Biombo is, is great around the rim. And, and you know, Ibaka is... While he's he's faded, you know he's still an, a, at least an above average defender. You know you got Aaron Gordon, who's just tremendous athlete, tremendous perimeter guy. He's good guarding down low. Like he is going to be a, a top notch. He's already a really really good defender, and he'll probably get better because he's still super young. So he'll, he'll be great. And Pey- Peyton is is really really good defensively too. He's he's really overlooked as as a point guard defender. I think he's really good guarding the ball, and I think he's also a really good pick and roll defender. I thought I thought he played really well tonight. He he hit, a, he hit his threes. The Thunder left him open because he's not a shooter. But, man, he hit his threes. You got to give him credit. And it, it wasn't just the made shots. I thought he, even though Westbrook was was so so good on the offensive end, 
in 41, 16, and 12, and inefficient 41, 16, and 12. He was 14 of 21 from the field. Westbrook was 8 for 8 at the rim. 8 for 8. That's a heck of a way to get your efficiency. 8 for 8 at the rim and 18 free throw attempts. That's the way to do it. Now, I missed five of them. I'm sure you'd like at least two of those back. But, you know, you can't knock a guy for missing some free throws throughout a game if he's a good free throw shooter. That stuff happens. But, yeah, 8 for 8 at the rim. He was 6 for 7 on mid-range, too. There was a point where he had only taken five shots. He was at, like, 15 field goal attempts or something. 14 field goal attempts. He'd only taken five shots outside of the paint. That was a nice ratio. Like, it's nice to see him without the pull-ups when he's able to go to the rim like that. Now, I realize it's not possible on every single night. And he was pulling up late in the fourth quarter. Now, the shots were going in tonight. They're not always going in. Six or seven from mid-range, I promise. Russell Westbrook's not going to shoot. What is that? He's not going to shoot 85% from the field or from mid-range this year. I feel pretty confident in saying that. What's interesting about Westbrook is that he, he tends to go to the rim early and he tends to pull up late. I'm not sure why that is. I mean, I guess theorizing it could be some, you know, just a, a decision that you make because it's a little bit less exhausting to pull up than it is to dart all the way to the rim and it's late in the game. It, it could be that he just feels enticed by a situation to do it. Uh, maybe there's something that's happening defensively late in games that I'm not, that I don't see. But he does have a tendency, I mean, if you look at it, he, he pulls up more in fourth quarters than he does in the first three. Uh, so maybe, maybe, maybe he's reading the defense. Maybe he's reading the defense better or differently uh, because he's, you know, seen them react to all these different plays and he now knows, okay, well, if I go this way or we run this and I have to pull up and he's, he's pulling up more. There are a million reasons why. I don't know why. It's something, it's something that happens. It's, it's kind of a trend that's been, that's been true for, that's been true for Westbrook. He played a great offensive game. Passed well. He passed amazingly well in transition. He was so good in training. He made a crazy pass to Steven Adams, about 40-foot pass with his left hand that he just bulleted to Adams in transition, and Adams got an and one layup when Ibaka fouled him. It was some kind of pass. That was nuts. That was an amazing pass, and he, he, he passed the ball so well. He made some, some amazing passes and had some amazing finds. Really not very much to knock about what he did offensively today, except, you know, especially in those last three quarters. Defensively, I thought it might have been his worst game of the season, though. That was kind of an issue. Uh, the pick-and-roll defense was, I'll call it lethargic. Uh, it was, there, he gambled a lot more. I will say, I think he's been better defensively this year than he was last year. I've said that before on this podcast. I think he's been better defensively than he was last year. Uh, that wasn't necessarily the case tonight, I don't think. You know, there are reasons. But yeah, he was really, he was, he really made a lot of, a lot of gamble first decisions. Uh, he, he, he kind of was running right into screens like they were brick walls. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't his best defensive game or anything close to that. Got better as the game went on, I thought. I thought it was, it was particularly down earlier in the game. Uh, and, and he was a little, he did make some better plays late in the game, but I thought just consistency was consistently, it was something that was down. Now it wasn't nearly to a point where it like offset what he did on the offensive end. It wasn't even close to that. He still had a really, 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 really good game, but the defense brought it down. I would still say the Lakers game was his overall best game of the season. This was his best offensive game of the season, but I thought he, 
he had a better defensive performance in the Lakers game, which kind of puts it, which would put it over the top because he was also just absurd offensively in that Lakers game too. He killed, he killed Timothy Mozgov in that game. So back to back for the Thunder. They are, uh, maybe they landed by now. They're, they're, they're either on a plane or they're landed in Detroit real soon. Monday night game in Detroit. No shoot around. Second round for the back to back. I won't be there. It's the first Thunder game of the year. I won't be at. So I'll be I'll be watching on TV, listening to Brian and Michael. Uh, that game's at six thirty Central Time on Monday night. Detroit is five and five right now. They play a slow pace. They play real slow. Uh, they like to spread with shooters. Work out of the half court. The offense has been way down. It's bottom ten right now. But Reggie Jackson's hurt. He's been hurt all year. He's got knee tendonitis. He's got a thumb injury. Uh, and and they miss him. They really miss him. I mean, he's their best offensive player. They miss him a lot, and, and they've had some. They've had point guard struggles. Like Ish Ish Smith has taken over for him, and and he hasn't been great. He's had his struggles running the offense, facilitating. Uh, his 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 efficiency is down. Uh, and, and Ish Smith did a good job in Philadelphia last year, but it's always hard to judge on what people do when they're in in that environment in Philadelphia, especially the last couple of years before this one. He's he's been he's been down. It's, it's certainly been a, a noticeable downgrade from Reggie Jackson, who's I know Thunder fans are frustrated with him because of the way he he uh, you know worked his way out of Oklahoma City, but he's undeniably a good starting point guard. Uh, he, he's he's certainly a good player, and and that's that's a huge loss for Detroit. That's one of their two best players, and he's not going to be there. He's supposed to be back. They haven't given an exact timetable, but they've kind of teased early December. Is kind of what 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 they're hoping for. Uh, their best offensive player now is probably, I mean, you know, Andre Drummond's obviously really good. Uh, so there's Tobias Harris, New York native Tobias Harris from Long Island, went to LI Lutheran, uh, then went to Tennessee for a year, and has kind of bounced around for for a good young player. He's kind of bounced around Milwaukee, Orlando, now Detroit. A couple of trades where the haul for him just wasn't nearly good enough. Like he. He was in the J.J. Redick trade with Milwaukee, and J.J. Redick's really good, but it was only a half a season, and Redick wasn't going to re-sign with them. So that was weird. Uh, and then and then Orlando kind of just gave him away. Weird stuff. He's he's a good player. He's a good offensive player. Uh, Detroit, though, offense has been really down. What, part of that is because of offensive rebounding. These were the two best offensive rebounding teams in the league last year. Thunder were number one. Detroit was number two. That's an offensive rebound rate. Offensive rebound rate is the percentage of, of your own team's misses that you pull down. Thunder were number one. Detroit was number two. Thunder are still good this year. They're like five or six. I actually think it's something they should be higher in. Considering their personnel, kind of thought they were going to lead the league by a lot in offensive rebounding rate. And they still can. It's early. It's early. They can obviously jump up with that stat. Uh, I, I thought they'd be higher than they are right now considering their personnel. Uh, but but they've they've pri- they've also prioritized transition defense more than I thought they would. I kind of thought strategically they would go all in on offensive rebounding, and they haven't. They've done that personnel wise, and haven't done that quite strategically. They've they've been pretty disciplined, uh, even if they've gotten beat on transition defense so far. Detroit this year, though, number two last year in offensive rebound rate. They're they're in the middle of the league now. They're in the middle of the league. That's something that's come down. Andre Drummond is a is a beast. He's a monster down low. He is an unbelievable rebounder. You can make an argument he's the best rebounder in the NBA. That's a totally fair thing to say. He might be he led the league in rebounding last year. He is a monster. He's a monster of a rebounder on both ends, defensively and offensively. But he is he's a great, great, great offensive rebounder. 
but they as a team just haven't been pulling him down as as high of a rate, uh, and that's something that affects their offensive efficiency too. Because part of the reason that they were they were up higher last year than they were this year, obviously having Reggie Jackson helps a ton. Another one was just kind of their second chance points. They were real good at that. When you get a lot of offensive rebounds, it's going to help your offense for the most part. But they've been they've been good on the defensive end. That's kind of what's propped them up so far early this year. It's helped them. You know, five and five is a fine start for them. It's they won forty four last year, made the playoffs. Uh, it's helped them sustain without Reggie Jackson. I, I think once Jackson comes back, I, I think this is a good team. It's a good team. I mean, Harris is a good player. Uh, Morris is a good player. Drummond is obviously really, really, really good. Uh, and, and and Jackson is is a, is a very nice point guard as well. That's that's a that's a nice top four. Like that's a that's I, I think for certain a playoff team once again. They're a playoff team last year, and it's a pretty young core that's still coming into its own. And shoot, and also KCP. Contavious Caldwell Pope, how could I how could I let him slip out of my mind? You know what? It's late. It's late. Blame it on the lateness. I mean he's he's their top perimeter defender. He's he's really quality and he's knocking down threes now. His issue always was is he gonna hit threes? Is he gonna shoot from distance? And and he's been hitting the threes pretty consistently this year. Like if he becomes a three point shooter, that's that's a real quality. He's an athlete, he's a defender. Uh, he can he can play with the ball and and now if he can shoot like he's he's a real he's a real piece that's a, that's a good player right there. Stan Van Gundy he's he's a great coach. He's a smart tactician. He knows how to coach an offense. He knows how to coach a defense. What's interesting about Stan Van Gundy? A lot of coaches, even really good ones, a lot of coaches get branded with he's an offensive coach or he's a defensive coach. Stan Van Gundy is. A guy who coaches both sides of the ball equally well, I think. He's, he's a guy whose teams are always disciplined on both sides of the ball. And that's that's how you know a guy is really taking a leap to be a really good coach, a really good overall coach. Players play hard for him pretty much all the time. And and I, I, I kind of, I mean, I'll admit, I, I think he's he's just one of my favorite people in the NBA. Not, not I don't even know him. He's just as, as somebody, someone to follow someone to listen to. He's incredibly bright. He's incredibly outspoken. Uh, and, and I, I appreciate that. I do. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Stan Van Gundy. I'm a big fan of the Van Gundy family. I like Jeff Van Gundy a lot too. And fun fact, Stan Van Gundy, uh, when Stan Van Gundy was at university of Vermont, he actually recruited Billy Donovan. So there's something for you. He, he sent him a recruiting letter. I don't know how far that went, if I were going to the game in Detroit tomorrow, I would ask Billy that question. Uh, I might just wait and ask him it later. And Billy, Billy also played for Jeff Van Gundy when he was uh, when he was at Providence. Jeff Van Gundy was an assistant there under Rick. You know, so just lots of lots of Van Gundy connections. It's amazing how small of a world the basketball world is sometimes. Remember, I'm on every weekday, Monday through Friday. You can head on to iTunes to subscribe to Locked On Thunder. And if you have questions or comments. You can email LockedOnThunder at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Fred Katz, F-R-E-D-K-A-T-Z. And you can log on to NormanTranscript.com for all your Thunder needs. And check out Thunder Road to follow team coverage and what's next for the team there. That's going to do it for today. I'm back with you tomorrow for a wrap-up of the Pistons game and more Thunder talk, more NBA talk, all that. Until then, Locked On Thunder is locking up. Locked On Thunder.